So a day early. Here we go. We're up to Parsha Shuma. Parsha Shuma is all about uh, all about what to do with finances. So Mishpatim was the laws of finances and how a Jewish financial culture is supposed to be structured, how it's supposed to be run. And Truma very much is about, we're going to learn a lot about the mindset when it comes to, what's a Jewish mindset when it comes to funds, when it comes to using money. So we'll give a quick overview of the Parsha. This one is a lot uh, easier and straightforward than Mishpatim, which had all the uh, various mitzvahs. So this we could break down into nine parts, and they're all really focused on one specific idea, which is establishing a mikdash, establishing a mishkan for the divine presence to dwell within. So the beginning of our parsha is Hashem's command to Bnei Yisrael, Hashem's command to Moshe to accept from Bnei Yisrael 13 different types of building materials that are going to be needed for the mishkan, as well as the big day kahuna, the garments of the Kohen. Then the parsha goes on and it explains the... Mitzvah of making the ark, as well as the rings and the poles and the covering. And then the parsha, the, the third part the parsha goes into is how to create the mishkan. The fourth part is how to create the menorah and all the flowers and ornaments that come along or come, actually, I should express that, comes from within the menorah. The menorah was chiseled out of one solid piece of gold. It was not multiple parts of gold that are melded together. And we'll get into the message of that as well. The uh, fifth uh, line item, we'll call it, uh, dis- uh, discussed by the Parsha, is how to make the ohel on top of, uh, on top of the mishkan. The sixth part is the 48 krushim of the mishkan and how it should be based, how it's going to be held up. Then the seventh uh, topic is the mitzvah of making the paroches, which separated between the Kodesh and the Kodesh HaKadosh, between the Holy and the Holy of Holies. There's separation that's needed, which also there's a lot to learn about, the fact that things can't just fly, can't, can't just flow one into the other in, in modern homes. It's a big concept of open floor concepts. Open, right? Is that what it's called? An open... Open floor op- plan. Open floor plan, right? So that's, it feels open and airy. In the Mishkan, though, nothing wrong with, with an open floor plan in the home. <laughs> the, the, in the Mikdash, however, there's, we're learned that if there's different areas of Kedusha, there should be divisions. There's, there's divisions. There, there is a separation. A person shouldn't think that everything just flows easily one into the next. No, there's Kedusha is meant to be kept Kaddish. The Kaddish HaKadoshim has its space, and the Kaddish has its space, and the Everything has its space. So the Beis Hamikdash didn't have an open plan, uh, an open floor plan. Everything was was divided. And then the uh, parsha gets into the uh, the midst of building the mizbeach and the the copper altar, and finally the the Torah teaching how the courtyard should be structured uh, around the mishkan and and what that looked like. So those are the all built around the Mikdash and the Mishkan, but uh, nine different uh, bullet points, we'll call it. See, here we go. Let's get into it. Hashem spoke to Moshe, Lamar, to say. So, article translates Lamar as saying, but it's important to know. Whenever we see the word Lamar, that means that Moshe is supposed to say it over to them. Otherwise, it's for him. When somebody has is a very interesting difference in Torah between, and we find this Pasuk all the time, but it's, for some reason, the Rebbe wants me to say this now. Um, in... Very often in American culture, we have the feeling that if you don't tell me it's a secret, then it's public. But you didn't tell me not to say it, so I don't say it. Uh, you tell, so, so I could say it, huh? World culture. Okay. Interestingly, in the Torah, it says, By Hashem spoke to Maisha. Lamar to say over. If Hashem didn't tell Maisha to say over, then it's private. So in the Torah, it's actually different. It's if somebody tells you something, you don't share it unless they ask you to share it. If they ask you to share it, you share it. Otherwise, it's naturally assumed it's between the two of you. Okay? Now, so that's a tyrannical way to live. You can't be crazy with it. There's also an American culture. So, you know, if everybody else is expecting some, you know, something different, but it's, it's good to know. It's good to know that in the Torah, things are confidential unless you're asked to share it. Unless the person asks you to share it. 
in our culture, for some reason, everything is public, unless somebody tells you it's a secret. Okay, so Lamar to say. By Dabr Shalom, Moshe, Lamar, Moshe, say this over. Dabr Shalom, I'll speak to Bnei Yisrael, V'yikhu li teruma, and they shall take for me teruma. Famously, and this is going to be most rabbis' drushas on this week's parsha, that it doesn't, the, the expression of the yichu seems to be off, even though it's obviously not. Usually, the assumption would be that the Torah should say, li truma, it should be given for me. The Mishkan was a place for Hashem to reside. So, give for me a truma, give for me a portion, give for me this. But we find whenever you give to Hashem, the expression being used is taking. Hashem says, Take for me truma, set aside for me, uh, set aside for me truma. So well know Malbim on this, the Malbim says the Pasik and Tehillim from Dabra Melech and Parakmam Tes, Pasik Ches, chapter forty nine, verse eighteen. King David says, Kilo Bimoso, he's talking about finances. He says, Kilo Bimoso Yikachakol. A person can't take everything in their death. Kilo Bimoso Yikachakol. When a person passes, they can't take everything. So the question asked is what King David saying, you can't take everything? What should he say? You can't take anything. I mean, it seems there are things that you could take. But he says, you can't take everything, which means there are certain things which could be taken. So the Bali Musar explain, and the Benish Chai, Yosef Chaim of Baghdad as well, they explain that um, a person could take things with them in their death, and that is things that were utilized appropriately. So that, that we do take. So if we give tzedakah, that's actually money that we're taking with us to Ilam Haba. That's a deposit into our heavenly bank account when a person uses their finances for, for chesed or things of that sort. <laughs> Afternoon. But, uh, uh, when, and when things are used appropriately. So there are things that we do take with us. So a person shouldn't th- think, says David HaMelech, that this world is nothing. See, people uh, very often will hear the expression, and I don't think people mean it in this way, but people say the expression, eh, this world is meaningless. The next world is what matters. That's a big mistake. It's not true. It's not, th- this world matters too. Right? The, you, you can't get to the next world without this world. And you could connect to Hashem in this world just as much as you connect to Hashem in the next world. Actually, as much as we connect to Hashem in this world, that's as, much, that's as connected as we're going to be uh, in the next world. So this world is not meaningless, chas v'shalom. This world is... Very uh, is you, you can have the the bliss and the feeling of dvekas of closest to Akadish Baruch Hu, uh, in this world as well. So to say, you know, anything physical and and all this and all that and stuff is just stuff and it's it doesn't have value. It's not true. You could give out. We could give value to things in this world. What? How so? By using it in a way that Hashem asked us to use it. And therefore, says David, you can't take everything, but you could take some things. And what are the things that we could take? Things that we dedicate in the ways of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, say the Bali Moshe like this: Dabro bnei truma, take for me truma, because when you give truma, you're you're actually taking it. It's a long term investment. That's what we're taking. And therefore, it says v'yichu. Uh, Otherwise, it's just you know um, there's there's an expression in Yiddish. Uh, the expression in Yiddish very. Um, sharp expression in English. It's translated into a schnur mit Geld. Yeah, you, you could be a schnur with money. Be a schnur. What does that mean? So you have somebody who's got eight billion dollars, eight billion dollars, but they're a schnur. Why are they schnur? Because they're just needy. They're needy. A schnur means I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that. So you're you're no different than a poor person. You just happen to have access to money. So you're a schnur, you're a poor person with money. Money is different. They, they give a parable of a fly that finds its way into a large sack of sugar. And the sack of sugar is tied. It's tied up. So you have a fly inside a sack of sugar. So this fly says, Mamish, I have everything I need. Are you kidding me? You know what I have? It's gewalt. Right? The fly doesn't realize you're just as trapped as the sugar. Gesund, enjoy it. You can, you can eat it, but you're not going. You're not getting out of here. It's the same thing. So the 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 Benishchai uses this as an as an expression of of um, uses as a, a parable, a message. Also, as a, 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 a schnur mit geld. 
you know, a snor with gold. It means sometimes people, like, they just hover over their money like it's sugar, right? They hover like a fly over sugar. And like, oh, look what I have. You're also, you're just locked inside this sack. You can't do anything with it. The Rabbani Shalom will decide what sort of health and what sort of life and what sort of thing. But otherwise, it's the same thing. So how do we know, Taka, how do we know actually if we own something? Again, ownership means like, this is, this is I've created something. That is when we, when we set aside for the Mishkan. That's why when we support the poor, when we support Taira, when we support godliness, when we support the right things, I'm actually taking those things. I'm actually, you know, we're taking those things. My Bubby Per, who uh, I think I've quoted this specifically before, is, I don't recall the exact situation that led to this, but one of my older sisters asked her about a person, some, there was somebody that's a, a terrible rishus, and they seemed to be profiting off of it. And I, I don't know the circumstances that led to this conversation. And my sister, who was a teenager at the time, asked my Bobby Per, how could Hashem allow that? How could Hashem allow it? And again, I don't know the specific circumstances. But I know my Bobby responded to her, and she said that some people make withdrawals in this world and some people make deposits in this world. So... This person's like that. Zerban Shalom has that person withdraw from their bank account in this world. They come up, they're bankrupt in the next world. They have nothing left. Nothing left. And then other people, they don't make any withdrawals in this world. Kaddish Baruch sometimes it seems like they don't have the easiest life. They keep making deposits. Deposits, 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 deposits. That's it. I'm just depositing. Depositing currency into the long-term bank account. That's what I'm doing. Let me come up. We come to Shemayim, which is, what, what do you prefer? To enjoy something short-term over here or to have Nitzchias, to, to have eternity? Right? What, what do we prefer? We'll all say we prefer Nitzchias. Uh, the world is too short here and it's too unfair uh, the way things are, are structured over here. So some, like Bobby said, some people make withdrawals. They live a, a life of withdrawals. They just pull everything out. And some people say, we, we live a life where, where we're bigger thinkers. We make, we, make deposits into, we make deposits into bank accounts. Okay. So, what are we taking? Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you're taking. When you set aside a portion, that's what you're going to ultimately own. Everything else is just going to uh, is just gonna fly away. Everything just flies away. It's, it's short term. Reminds me of another parable given to this. Um, who was this? Also, I saw this in the Benish Chai. He says, Av Echod Bikesh Livchay Nes he says there was a, a father, and I don't know if he was saying this in a way of a joke, or, or whether this, this happened. He says there was a father who was studying math with his son. So he tells his son, he says, says you have ten birds that are sitting on top of a roof, and a hunter killed one of them. So how many birds are left? So the kid says, one. So the father's like, let's do this again. Let's do this again. And the kid's like, one. And the father's like, no, 10 minus one is nine. The kid says to his father, he says, with all due respect, he says, once the first one gets shot, the other nine are leaving, right? <laughs> so what's left? The dead one. So you shoot one bird. That's the only one that's left. <laughs> it's a bad, uh, you know what I mean? The kid, he's right. <laughs> he's right. You shoot one, that's the only one you're going to get because the other ones fly away. So the Benishchai said, when he heard this, he smiled and he thought about, he, he thought about this idea. He thought about this idea that sometimes things, you think you have it on your roof, but it, it just flies away. It doesn't, you know, so what, what are we actually taking? What, what do we actually have, uh, have ownership of? So it's, it's things that we give to the, to the Mishkan, things that we give to holiness. Okay. Now, who should we take Truma from? This, inc- this is very important. And that is, it has to be willingly. This is not a tax. To give to the Mishkan is not a text. And there's a profound message in this, and I haven't seen too much discussion on this, but as soon as you read this, you're like, this, this has to be. Hashem says, of course, let me finish the post and then I'll tell you where I'm going with this. Anybody whose heart drives them to. They're the ones who should set aside my truma. Now, what does it mean a person whose heart drives them to do so? Okay. I have a 
weird relationship with the word spirituality. I have a very weird relationship with the word piety. Many of us probably do. I'll tell you why. For some reason, when I hear the word piety, I think of Hasidic stories of Nebuch people who were pious. Because that's the, that's, the, that's the frame of reference. That's the association I have with piety. I hear a story from the time I'm a kid, right? A younger kid. And the story is, there was once a very pious person who was very poor and lived in the forest and they had nothing. And then the Baal Shem Tov came and he was stuck in his house for Shabbos. <laughs> you know, and, and he gave him a bracha and, and this and that and that. Then the next story, there was a very pious person and this guy had no feet. And this guy and... Uh, so I, I, have, I have a real association of piety of like somebody with problems. Somebody with problems. That's... that's the, that's the word, and that, that's how it's going to be. That's how it's going to be. So I have to, when I hear the word, I have to either choose a different word or try to rephrase the word. Also, the word spirituality for me is, when I hear the word spirituality, I happen to zone out um, because spirituality to me is something that's non-existent. For some reason, I didn't hear that word when I was a kid, <clears throat> and I came across that a younger kid. And I came, I started coming across that word with people who don't keep Torah and mitzvahs. And I never really, still don't, people say I'm spiritual. I don't like, what, what does that mean? If, if there's no Torah and there's no mitzvahs and there's no God, so what does spiritual mean? Okay, so, uh, so, so it, it's, again, it, it could be explained. But to me, coming from Yeshiva Lane, spirituality has nothing to do with Torah. Has nothing to do with God. That's an association that was developed. You understand why, though? I understand the problem. I understand why, but that—that's where it's developed. So I, I want to give a background of when I hear these words. Now, there's times where these words need to be used because other people have a different association with those words. So it's interesting for me. Piety is like somebody who's like the spirituality has zero. And what's funny is like I think my mother very much was like that too. My mother would say, I'm the least spiritual person you know. She didn't know what spirituality, she didn't know what it meant. It's like, what, spiritual is like fluff. It's not real. It's a, a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, something intense. It's something real. It's something sincere. It's a dedication. It's a devotion. It's a relationship. That's not spirituality. That's something real. To me. Because spirituality is fake to me. So I can't use that word when discussing a relationship with Hashem. I have to find, I have to find a different word. Okay. With that background... Here we go. In prayer, there is something called, and we've done this in our tefillah classes, and we've, this has come up maybe once or twice in the, in the Lunch and Learns here. Um, there's different types of prayers. Some prayers have words. Some prayers have sounds. If I hear something and I say, Oy, that's a tefillah, that's a prayer. I don't need a sound. Very often, we learned in davening, the deepest prayers have no words. So we think we're not even praying, and we really are. But we pray a lot more than we, than we realize. In the Hebrew language, there is two words that will come across for singing. Shira and Zemira. Zemer. Okay? We have Shabbos Zemiros, Zemirot Shabbat, right? So the songs of Shabbat, and then there's Shira, there's songs. What's the difference between Shira and Zimra? And I want to add a layer to that question. Sometimes the ultimate musician and singer for us is King David, David HaMelech. When you look in Tehillim, sometimes David HaMelech says, Shir Mizmar, Shir Mizmar Lasaf. And sometimes he says, Mizmar Shir, Lioma Shabbos. Shir Mizmar, so the Shira is before the Zimra. Then sometimes he says, right, the opposite. Shira then Zimra, and sometimes Zimra then Shira. What's the difference between the two? So, the difference between Shira and Zimra is, Shira is articulate song, songs with words. Zemiros, the word Zemer is a melody. So Shira is, is a song with words. <coughs> Zemer is melody. 
The difference between a shira with words and a zemra with melody is something that's articulated or something which is just expressed without articulation. Some of Davra Melech's songs started with shira. Sometimes you start with words and you're able to articulate things and the more you articulate what's happening, you, it leads you to just zemer. You just sing without words. You should know a lot of Jewish songs. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 whatever. But, yeah. A lot of Jewish songs, there's no words. There's no words. It's on purpose. It's on purpose. When you use words, it's a beautiful thing, but it boxes you into those words. Song has a profound chachma. Chachmas ha-musica, the Vilna Gain says, is... is uh, Almost on the, I don't know if he says, almost on the level of Taira, beyond the level. It's a very, he uses a very strong expression about the Chachma of Nigin and how people use it in their, in Avaita Hashem. The Leviim saying the whole day in the Beis HaMek, their song is very, very much part of it. So there's times where Shir Mizmar, Davon Amal says, I was singing Shira, I was singing words of feeling, of Hergish, and that led me to like be beyond words. That's sheer and then zemer. It just led to this melody of expression. I couldn't articulate my love for Hashem anymore. It was beyond articulation. There's other times where you don't need shira to lead to zimra. There's other times where something is so boom, like something incredible happened, and I just have a feeling of being overwhelmed by a kindness of Hashem, we'll call it, that it says, mizmar... You just like wow! You just burst out like that. You kind of came like so the, wow, like wow, right? Oh yeah, 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 That's a zemer. That seems to be like everything, right? But then David Amal says, "Mizmor Shir." You have to afterwards put it into words. You have to create shira from that. Why? Because if you just allow zemer to stay there, it's going to be moment. It's going to be momentary. It's it's going to remain in that space of time. If you're able to afterwards articulate and put things down either on paper or into words, now you have something definitive and clear that you could take with you. So sometimes the connection and the excitement starts with sheer mizmar, starts with sheer, and, and I have to work on seeing Hashem's hand. And I see things, and then it's like... It, it, the shira leads to zmira, and then sometimes it starts with zmira. Then you move it into shira because you're supposed to supposed to uh, take it with you. So, what's the connection over here? The connection over here is that there are those who say, or those who feel, and probably myself included, not for sure myself included. At times, again, we all have stages of time and stages of life and stages of feelings. We're, we, we have a feeling about something, but we don't have activity with it. And then there are those who have activity with no feeling. Hashem says, those who should connect to the Mishkan are those, kol ish asher yedvenu libo, your heart has to drive you. But you can't just feel spiritual the way that I, my mind uses that word. Okay, again, I use the word spirituality to have nothing to do with, with Hashem. It's just like a, a, an abstract feeling of something. Put that into action, says Hashem. So, so what are you going to do with it? You, you have like a feeling. It's a nice feeling. It's a zemer. But you've got you to now articulate that into an action. By song, it's putting it into words. By feelings, it's putting it into giving. I, I feel something is special. Wow, that thing is so special. Go do something about it. So if it's special, I want to be part of it. In whatever way I could. However I'm part of it. I, I, I want to show up. I just want to be there. I, I want to... You need the feeling, but the feeling has to translate into action. And Hashem says, this is really the ultimate way to be giving to the Mishkan, to be giving to, which is the relationship with Hashem. The Mishkan is how we relate to Hashem in this world. So I want, says Hashem, kol ish, every man, Hashem Yudvenu Liba, and whoever, whoever wants should come in and take and set aside portions. From what? So this is also fascinating. Hashem says, not from anything you want. Not from anything you want. I'll tell you what to give. I'll tell you what to give. There's a joke I saw. Um, 
this girl says to her friend, I can't decide what to get my mom for her birthday. So her friend says, well, every year you come up with something, you'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. I was like, no, this year you don't understand. I already got her everything I want. <laughs> right? I already got you everything that I want, right? So not, not left to give her, right? So you can't just give. We can't. We can't. We could. We shouldn't just give whatever we decide. This goes back to that strange association I have with the word spirituality. Is And I think kind of why it gnaws... And I know I'm wrong. Again, I don't, if you hear spirituality, don't let it bother you. This is just a me thing. It's a me. It's my mission. Me thing. It's it just because it it gnaws like it, it's very relative. It's very subjective to how I want the relationship with spirituality to be. Hashem says, "We're in, a relationship means that there's two sides to this. I'm telling you what to deposit in the relationship. Don't do it on your terms." These are the terms. Don't give me something that you want to give me. Here's what's helpful. Here's what I appreciate. Here's what I appreciate, says Hashem for the Mishkan. And there's 13 things that are needed for the building of the Mishkan. So I don't need a chocolate platter. We don't need chocolate platters. It's a nice thing, but that's not what the Mishkan needs. So there's not the right time to be delivering chocolate platters. So, this, whoever drives them, but this is, this is what's important to, to give because this is what we need. What's needed? The first three things are the, the items of metal, which are going to serve to both fashion the materials of the Mishkan and to serve as the supports of the Mishkan. It's going to be Zahav, metals of gold, Vachesef, metals of silver, and Nechoshes, metals of copper. These are the first three things that are needed. What else? Tcheles, purple wool. Uh, a Tcheles is turquoise. Uh, Bluish, what we call, you know, some men wear tchelis on their tzitzis. Argaman is purple wool, tolas shani is red, v'sheish ve'izim, and uh, linen and goat hair, v'oros elim ma'adamim, ramskins that are dyed red, so prepared ramskins, v'oros tchashim, <coughs> excuse me, and tachash skins. Interestingly, <coughs> Rashi says, and there's a big conversation about this tachash, animal, um, uh, whether it was a unicorn, um, nothing to do with one horn. I think that's what unicorn is, right? One, one horn. But uh, unicorns are of all, all different colors. So Rashi says, what is a tachash? It's interesting, interesting Rashi on this. Rashi says, a, a tachash animal um, was a minchaya. It was a type of non-domesticated animal, it only existed during the times that we came to the desert. This animal showed up for the Jewish people. Um, therefore, in Targum, see, he says, interesting, Unclus tra- does translation for us. So we don't really speak Aramaic. So Unclus, we read it through. We don't really fully understand it. But what Unclus did is he put it into multiple different languages. So in all the other items, Unclus puts that item into a different language. By the Tachash, there's no other word for Tachash because no other language ever had this animal. They, they never called it, they never had it. It only came in the desert. So it's like making up a name of an animal that didn't have. So there's no other, there's no other uh, language that has a translation for Tachash. It's simply non existent for them. So Rashi says, Unclus just says that it's uh, proudly colorful. It's, it's glory and it's pride is in its, uh, its uh, uh, various colors. Okay, interesting. There's a lot of Gemara and a lot of talk on this because we know in Perkyavis it says there's only there's certain things. Everything was made during the six days of, of creation. So what does it mean? It only came around then. It has to be that it was there uh, originally but it was set aside the same way the mouth of the hole in the ground that swallowed up Korach was set aside. And Hashem, brought, Hashem brings it, uh, brought it back out at his time. But there's a lot of interesting Torah on the, uh, on the Tachash skins, Vatsay Shittim, and wood made out of Shittim, Shemin Lama'ar, oil for lighting, Besamim, the, the spices, L'Shamin Mishcha, 
the anointing oil of the Ktaris, of the Ktaris, Avni Shayam, Avni Maluim, the Shoam stones and Maluim stones, the filling stones, this is on the breastplate and the shoulders, Laifaid Belachayshim, Vasuli Mikdash, Veshachati Besaycham. With all these, that's this is the only materials you need. These items are what you need for the Mikdash, Veshachati Besaycham, says Hashem, and then I will come and dwell inside of you. Okay, let's go back and, and tackle these verses. We had a couple of thoughts over here. Go ahead. Yeah. Seals. Mm-hmm. Tachash. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like a seal, like a stamp? Yeah. Or like an animal? No. I don't think they're colorful, are they? No, they're not. Yeah, so. That's what yeah. Mm-hmm. When I think of spirituality, I think of the Neshama. And I think of us as being more Neshama physical. So mm-hmm. it's just a differentiation between the outside and the inside. Yeah. Fair enough. No, Fair enough. I, I think place. you're right. You know, it, it, it's, you're right. It's side. something that exists but you can't see. Yeah. That's that's for sure what it means. Uh, that's for sure what it means. I'm, I was just explaining where because of my background right. the association that I have with it because what understood, but I'm used to the word neshama. I'm used to the word neshama. Again, I went to a yeshiva and lived on a street called Yeshiva Lane, so I only heard the word spirituality from those that didn't even believe in neshama. They would say, "I feel spiritual." So, yeah, I wanted to say something yeah. about spirituality. Yeah, it's a very big concept in recovery circles, and it's very tied in with the twelve steps. So it is concretized in certain circles. But the idea of spirituality in recovery circles is a connection to a higher power. Now what's difficult is that the higher power that they're connected to may not always be like our concept of Hashem. Sure. Yeah. You know, but it is, they always say a power greater than yourself. Mm-hmm. So that is one definition in the outside world of what it means good. You know, to be spiritual. Good. Very good. So either way, I think both approaches do fall, whether it's with or without, do fall into the understanding that a person shouldn't just feel. That feeling should lead to a connection, it should lead to something deeper, it should lead to something greater. And that's why I was bringing it up as far as where Hashem says, whoever's heart drives them, do something. Right? Don't just say, I feel a certain way. If it's a connection to something else, it's a connection to something else. But it's, it should be something. It should be something. As opposed to, you know, some random Kabbalah that right, just yeah. t- taps into. No, okay. No gear, Let's get it. Uh, there would be no gear, gear, no gear if there was not any action to what they were feeling. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. No, no, and, and no, we wouldn't be able to do tshuva. Feeling, I feel this. Right. Right. Like the song, the Zimra, virtually have to have the, the words, the song, the expressions added to that to make it continue to last. Zimra, Zimra and the Shir. Yeah. It's, it's, it works the same way. It has to. Right. One doesn't stay unless you put the words to it. You both. And you both. That's that's the uh, that's the drive. Okay. So let's go through these uh, these items I need to be donated. So first of all was Zahav gold. Kesef, silver, unachayshas, and uh, and copper. So I believe we shared this previously, but it's it's worthwhile saying it again. And that is that you know we don't have a mishkan unfortunately currently. So how we how are we supposed to look at these materials? Because these materials obviously are eternal. It's something that we're supposed to be taking with us even without a mishkan and looking at this and saying, what am I supposed to be? Applying from the materials of the Mishkan. And interestingly, at the end of the giving, the words, and this is uh, a often quoted verse as well, Hashem says, And you'll make for me a Mikdash, Veshachanti Besocham, and I'll dwell inside of you, as opposed to saying, I'll dwell inside of it, the Gemara says. It's interesting. So Hashem says, If you understand these materials, I, you will actually be a Mishkan. Because the Mishkan is not meant to be a ritualistic place. We're meant to look at the menorah and the ark, and the table, and say, okay, 
how am I a menorah? How am I an ark? How am I in a table? And the more I understand what these things are and what they do, the more I understand how I need to be. Correct. We are we are a a vessel. Um, uh, for example, um, the Gemara says that the table, the shulchan, which had the showbread, the the breads on them, um, represents the the table represents the lungs, it's the body part of a person represents the lungs. Um, the lungs are protected by the rib cage, and the, you know, or, there's like a whole. The Gemara goes through a whole. The ark represents the heart. There's like each thing we're supposed to look at it and and say what what what's uh, unique about the ark and how it functioned, and how's my heart supposed to function? Where where are my feelings supposed to be? How, how does it? You know, the the ark was the generator of holiness to everything. So the heart also generates blood to everywhere in the body it's it's the source so we're supposed to look at each each vessel within the mishkan and say i'm also i'm the overall mishkan and how's it going to how's it going to impact me so let's go through the various uh uh, compartment the the various materials that were needed so zahav kesem and chayish there's a gold giving there's a silver giving and there's a copper giving and they're all called giving they're all giving they're all wonderful they're all fine but the same way the mishkan not everything could be gold all the time it's interesting. You'd think, do the best of the best. Gold is a lot more valuable. Let the Mishkan only be gold. Why are you going for silver? It's like settling. Why are you going for copper? He's settling for even less. And this was the first fundraising campaign and they had to stop people from donating. Because they had everything. Right? It's probably the, the, the Jewish joke they have is, yes, yeah, the first and last time. Right? <laughs> that they, they told people, all right, I'm done, done. You know, stop. We can't, we can't handle anymore. But you think, make everything gold. Like, it's, it's for God, right? So do everything, do everything the best of the best. But the purpose of the Mishkan is for us. You know something? Sometimes we're gold, sometimes we're copper, sometimes we're silver. Like, there's different, there's different, and there's different places to serve Hashem from. This comes up in Bovavi, where we're not, Hashem doesn't always want us to serve Him from a space of cop, from, from a space of gold. Because we're not going to have experience serving Him from distant places or places where we feel we're in a less valuable spot. Hashem wants us to serve Him sometimes with gold, sometimes with silver, sometimes with copper. And this applies with our feelings. Sometimes we're feeling closer, sometimes we're feeling more distant. And this applies in stages of our lives. Sometimes we're serving Hashem with all of our health, with all of our health. And sometimes Hashem's like, no, you're serving me with copper now. It's still special, it's still precious, but you may not, you may not feel your production level is as high, but you're part of my Mishkan. You're part of my Mishkan. And, and if there's no copper in the Mishkan, you didn't have the uh, copper uh, altar, so the Mishkan didn't function. And, and, and you're, Hashem needs us to connect to Him from different spots and different places and, uh, and, and different ways. Yeah? Would there have been a need for a Mishkan had there not been incredible? No, because... We were already... We... Correct. Correct. We were worthy of, of being that. We were the Mishkan. We were the Mishkan. So, so, um, the, so we have the gold, the silver, and the copper. Again, there's, there's, there's a lot of depth over here. Uh, my mother, Zechariah Nebracha, would share with me, and I'm sure we've shared this previously in, in this setting, and that is that the, Zav, the, the, the gold, silver, and copper also hints to us the styles of giving, all of them equally important, and all of them not necessarily up to us, but they're all giving nonetheless. And what are the three styles of giving? There's a golden giving. What is gold? So Zahav is Zion Heves. Zion Heves stands for Zeh Hanosein Bari. Zeh, this person, Hanosein, that gives Bari when they're fully healthy. What does it mean healthy? Not only physically healthy, but everything is going well for me in life. When, so, when things are going very well for somebody, and it could be a one-day thing, it could be a year thing, and obviously everybody's going to have ups and downs, but when things are, are going full throttle, we'll call that a gold thing. So Zahav, and I still give, Zehan Hussein, a person who gives gold. Why? It's completely altruistic. There's nothing I need. I don't need to, I have everything. Zehan Hussein, that's a gold giving. I'm just giving because that's what I'm supposed to do. What's a silver giving? Kesef is Kesheyesh Sakana Podeh. I have a danger. My parents aren't feeling well. My friend's not feeling well. 
I want to give tzedakah in their merit. So am I giving tzedakah? Absolutely. Necessary and a tremendous mitzvah. But I have an ulterior motive here. I have ulterior motive. Right? I'm trying to gain something from this. And I know that the way Hashem works is, he, uh, you know, tzedakah tatzel mimavas. Charity is a protection. So I'm in. Is it a giving? Yes. Should I give? Yes. Is it the same as completely altruistic? No. So it's a silver giving. And Hashem says, I need silver in my mishka. I need that silver in my mishka. And the third type of giving is nechoshes. What's copper giving? So copper giving stands for nun ches shinsof nesinas chole sha'oymer tenu. Referring to somebody who's on their 120th birthday. And they're like, I don't need anything else. I'm done. I might as well give it away. So I'm not looking for any sort of help. I'm not looking to be altruistic. I have nothing left to do with this. I might as well let somebody else make good use of it. So Nasin Aschol, a person who's on their deathbed, that says, Tanu. I'm, I mean, what's the purpose of putting it in, uh, putting it in the grave? Right? They have that joke with uh, this. These three brothers. What's the joke with the three brothers? And they were dividing the... A, a, a father gave an... I think that's how it goes. A father gave an inheritance to three brothers. But he says, I'm giving to you on condition that when I'm buried, each of you puts back 10%, buries it with me in the coffin. So he gives them each... Let's call it a million dollars. Right? So he gives them each a million dollars and he says, when I'm buried, each of you need to put $100,000 in. So they come to the Leviah. They're very grateful. And they come to Leviah. And each brother takes the envelope... Two brothers, the envelopes are like, mamish, you know. And they, 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 the man's as good as his word, you know. They put it in. The third brother takes the envelope, looks like it's empty, looks like it's empty. And he drops it in. They're like, what was that? He said, I wrote a check. <laughs> so, uh, um, so uh, a person realizes, what are you gonna do? Just, I have a check. I have a check here. Well, you're not cashing the check upstairs, right? <laughs> That's not what's happening. So, um, huh? Yeah. It's one of those that are funny but horrible. Um, so, 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 what's a, so, so that's Nechayshes. Now, now says, says, says the Torah, that's a giving too. It's a giving too. And I'll tell you, there's times in our life when we're like this. Even when a person's not chas v'shalom, you know, on their 120th birthday. That's not what we're talking about. There's times in our life where we give simply because we're somebody's annoying you. Okay, sometimes you'll give because, like, do me a favor, Just do me a favor. Here's the money. Here's the money. Yeah, I'll see you next year. Right? I'll see you next year. Whatever you know the feeling that I'm talking about. Whether it's a proper feeling or not a proper feeling, it's something that happens at a certain point. Like some people, you want to give to. And some people, like, it's not that I want to give it to you, but it's like, I need a function. So here, right? I need a function. I'm just, I'm just doing this because it is what it is. So, but that's... But the copper was used for something really beautiful. So listen to this. I think there's a powerful message in this. This is a copper giving. Where I'm just giving it because, like, I'm just giving. I want to tell you something. There's something very profound in this. And that is, any person, whether I'm altruistic completely or partially or, like, just to play a role, just to have a hand in something beautiful is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. You could have no intention at all. You could be like, you know, I'm, I'm just giving this because you, you, you took part in something big. It's a big deal. It's a very big deal. And there's going to be times where we have gold givings, times where we have silver givings, times we have copper givings. We're all going to give in all these spaces. All these different types. We're all. It's going to be times, you know. I'm, you know, the the translation of it, as my mother Zechariah would say, is a healthy giving, ulterior motive giving, or just giving because why not? You, you could bring this without any sort of health issues, without any sort of risk. Was that the, the styles of giving? Hashem says, I accept all these things. I accept all of it. You, I'm just asking you to give tzedakah. I'm asking you give to my mikdash. I'm asking you show up and take part. That's it. You show up. And you, <laughs> so anybody who runs an organization, and maybe you know, maybe a shul is more than that, different than a yeshiva or whatever. But you, you, 
like people say, like, what are you, you know, who are the most important people? Who are the most important people in the show? I'm like, the ones who show up. The ones who come. <laughs> you know what I mean? The person who comes. What's a shul with nobody coming? Right? What, what, what is it? So it's like a, a college with billions of dollars in, in endowments, but people don't even know what they're giving to. Like, what's there? I don't know. You're amazing at fundraising, but what, what, where, where's the production? Where's the Torah that's being taught? Where's the, uh, what's coming out of it? Just to be part of something, even if it's nechayshas, even if it's copper, like Linda was saying, like it, it's, it's a foundation and there's a home is bayach for copper. It's a whole, there's a whole altar for copper. Just having the merit and the schos, just to take part in the, in the mishkan, is, it's, it's an incredible thing. It's really, really, uh, it's really, really powerful. Okay. I give out. Yeah. I thought I just started. Fine. <laughs> um, let's get into some of the kalim. Let's get into some of the vessels of the Beis HaMikdash. And again, like, um, like uh, Corey brought up before, that you know, the idea of the Mishkan is really to search it, to learn through it, and to realize that it's really teaching us how to bring the divine presence uh, into ourselves. So the first, let's just see if we can get through the first one. The first vessel brought in the Torah is the Aron, the Ark. The Ark should be made out of Shittim wood, Amasayim Vachitzi Arkai, two and a half cubits in length, Amma Vachitzi Rachbai, one and a half cubits in width, Amma Vachitzi Kamasa, one and a half cubits high. That was not that large. Not that large. Even if, a, even if an Amma is two feet, you're dealing with five feet um, by three feet by, and three feet high. Like not that, not that large. Um, and it was made, the, the box of the ark was fashioned with wood. And then you coat it, you coat the wood with gold, inside and outside. And then you make a, a rim of gold all around it. Now, it's, we're not going to have time to get into the other ones as well, but it's interesting, all the other vessels in the Mishkan were complete measurements. If you look at the if you look at the shulchan, if you look at the table, so it says uh, two amos by one ama and an ama, and then you go to the you know, it, it, everything's full. The ark is the only one that's got two and a half by one and a half. So the ark represents Torah, and the mafarshim, the commentators, explain the Torah is never done. Torah is never done when things are half measurements, there's A, it's limitless. The, the vastness of Torah is, take a people, I start with a new Havrusa. Like, what do you want to learn? I'm like, seriously? <laughs> like, seriously? Like, who? Uh, what, what are my options? Um, this is, <laughs> this is a drop of where we could start. Just, I don't know. You know, okay, ultimately you figure it out, you know, or you start and something else will we'll talk to the person and, and you'll split it up. But the tire is so vast that a person can't feel like the measurements are complete. That's A. B, and equally as important, and this is a, we find this underlying factor all over the ark, all over the ark, which by the way was hidden. It's an incredible concept that the ark was the generator of holiness to the whole world, but it was imamish stayed hidden. Things that are, things that are, uh, kadosh, things that are holy need privacy. I don't know why Hashem made it like this. I don't know why Hashem made it like this. The the holiest things in the world are the most private things in the world. Uh huh. Yeah, but that's that's also how you know. That's also how you know uh, where holiness resides inside of a person. Where it resides inside of a person, um, and. This is why the ark was made out of wood. Because wood has movement. And uh, the question was, why don't you make it solid gold? Make the ark solid gold. But it needed to be wood in the middle because gold is stationary. It's, it is. It's whatever God put into the earth. That, that's what you're going to take out of it. Um, it. But it represents incredible value. One of the... Um, Probably the most powerful Gemaras is on this pasuk. The Gemara in Yuma, to me, 
powerful Gemara to me. Everybody thinks different things, talk to different people. The Gemara says what you're supposed to learn out from the ark, being wood on the inside and gold on the outside, is that a, a, a person needs to be the same inside and outside. And, and this very much talks to me because it, it used to talk to me in a way of like, okay, don't be a faker. The older, the, the more I'm experiencing life, the more I realize that it, it's not even a matter of being a faker. It's a matter of we, we are constantly in flux between our inside and our outside. I think, you know, there are some people that their inside, their panemius, their essence, by far, by far outshines what's radiated from them. By far. And then there are people who are the opposite, unfortunately. Right? Externally, they seem to be very, very righteous. And inside, it doesn't add up. So you have these two extremes. Most of us are probably in the middle, where we're constantly like, you know, making ourselves a little uncomfortable with our presentation, our looks, and then trying to catch up internally. And sometimes the opposite. Sometimes internally, we're a little bit ahead of what we're producing externally. And, and what's coming across. And externally could be both through our actions and it could be through our looks and, and through our thoughts and through our speech. Our speech very much shows um, where a person's development is at and, and their depth and, and what they're going through. Uh, you know, it, it's a formulation of one's, of one's thoughts. And our, our thoughts really come from the essence of, of, of how we think. So the Gemara says that the, the message of the Ark is wood, which again is flux, but it has to be gold inside and outside because we're, we're supposed to keep an, equilib- an equilibrium. We're supposed to be like, you know, we're gold inside and outside. Sometimes it's a little more, a higher quality gold, lesser quality gold, but it can't be just that we stay wood and it can't be that we're, we're copper inside and gold outside. Like it needed to be coated both. And probably one of the, the, the reason why I find this to be powerful is, you know, when a person says about somebody else that their, their tocho is kabaru, their inside is like their outside, that's a very powerful compliment. It's a very, it's a very powerful compliment because that represents the ark. And the ark, again, is the, is the vessel of the, that's the heart of the person. And the same way the heart of the mishkan needed to be the same through and through, even though there's, there is movement and we're all, none of us are static, um, probably one of the greatest compliments you can give to somebody is to say they're, the, the expression over here is tochol kabaro their inside is like their outside what you see is what you get you know is there movement there's movement but they're, they're beautiful you know they're, they're, they're not just uh, uh, I'll share what my father shared with me when, when I started uh, when I had a conversation about looking to get married so one of the things he brought up he said you should know there's a lot of pretty people in the world Remember, you're looking for a beautiful person, right? There's, there's a, a difference. There's a difference between the way people present themselves, the way people are presented, and the way that they truly are inside. And as much as possible, we have to look at the art and say, you know, can we say about ourselves that, are, that, that we're tocho kabaro, or that our inside has gold uh, and our outside has gold as well? Okay, let's hold it here for today. Thank you, everybody, for changing days with me. <laughs> Holding it here.